0: And then a special guest. However, IQ sent me an email last week that said he wouldn't be with us today because he was out de-cleansing himself from Islam. <laughs> so we will uh, we will talk to best-selling author of Spare Time, Mr. Michael Murphy, and uh, our good buddy, Mr. Donald Mazella, or as Don likes to say, Everybody calls me Don. The only person that ever calls me Donald are my parents. Uh, <laughs> Donald, of course, is SB Digest on Twitter as well. Um, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Let's let's get into it here. Um, Michael Murphy's with us today. Michael uh, submitted some topics to us, and Don submitted some topics to us, because I like to have you guys steer the program here, because you guys are passionate about certain things. Um Michael, let's start with you. Let, let, let's talk about this, uh, the Article 5 Convention of States project. Kind of uh, explain to the audience what that is, and then uh, we'll let you and Don bat it around here.
1: Okay. Well, article, article 5 of the Constitution is the article that allows for proposing amendments to the Constitution. And uh, there are two methods to do that. There's only one that's ever been used, uh, and all 27 amendments to the Constitution were, were done uh, by that way. Well, actually, of course, the first 10 were done uh, altogether initially when it was all adopted at the same time. But um, anyway, uh, the framers put that in there as a way to, if the government kind of got a little bit out of hand, the government is not so likely to restrain itself. And since the states gave birth to the Constitution, the federal government—it only makes sense that the states should have a method to uh, to have some control over over that. And so, the Convention of States project is one whereby there is a unified effort to put forth the same um, wording, so to speak, in the request. And that wording is is somewhat broad in the sense it's just to. Uh, restrict the the uh, scope and size and, and, and the reach of the federal government in relation to the states and the people. And the application uh, you know will go forth, and, and once it's approved by two-thirds of the states, which is 34, then uh, a convention can be called. The convention is strictly for proposing amendments, and then once amendments have been proposed, then 38 states, or three-fourths, have to ratify before they become um, part of the, uh, the Constitution
0: it's a good idea why why the hell are we not doing this <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's kind of funny um, one might expect that uh, progressives and all like that might not be too, too keen on the idea because they might like the way things are going um,
0: yeah.
1: however um, a lot of the opposition is also coming from what you would traditionally think would be conservative uh, sides too they, they say that it's too dangerous so it's going to open up the Constitution and a lot of people lie about it and they just call it a con-con which is a short for Constitutional Convention and it is not that um, it's just kind of it's just been kind of disheartening like you said it's a, it's, a, it's a good idea to get all these minds together from all these states and look at our problems and try to come up with some solutions from outside of Congress and I think it's, a, I think it's an outstanding idea um, but like I said, we're fighting it. Uh, there was, um, there's a, there a holdup in Texas this week. Uh, one Senator is blocking it from, um, from coming to a vote. Um, it's just, it's just uh, kind of crazy. And that happened actually in Arizona earlier this year. One person, uh, restrained the entire legislature from being able to, to speak on, on, on the subject. So we, we see that the problem does not exist just in Washington. You
0: know, now, now, Don, uh, from, from, a from a journalistic, uh, newspaper perspective and being an old school, uh, you know, freedom guy, uh, where do you come down on this? Is this a good idea, bad idea? How can we move this forward?
2: Well, uh, um, uh, I haven't really thought about it that, that hard, um, as, as deeply as Mike has my, my, own, my own thoughts on it. it, it would be a wonderful thing, progressives would love it, if they could get to a constitutional convention and uh, uh, put forth some of their own ideas. I, I'm just worried that in this raucous age we live in, um, that convention might turn into uh, a real Donnybrook. Uh, the Constitution has managed to, to survive all these years uh, people have moved it one way, the other, etc. Uh, I, I think uh, efforts might be better spent electing people <coughs> who believe um, uh, in a stricter construction of the Constitution, which, I, by the way, I believe in. I, I believe the uh, uh, various people over the last uh, 60-odd years or 70-odd years have uh, taken uh, the, uh, and driven... Uh, trucks through all of these different areas, parts of the Constitution, and given us uh, uh, a world today that was, by the way, was envisioned by the, our, uh, Constitu- by the people who did the Constitution. And uh, I always tell people, go back to, the, uh, to that wonderful book uh, by uh, uh, Drinker Bo- Bowen, Catherine Drinker Bowen, which is the story of the Constitutional Convention and realize how much these people, uh, and to read the Madison Papers, you know, which he took down everything that was said, how these people, those great men, and they were all men, uh, foretold some of the things we're facing today and uh, were really worried about it. It's interesting, it's taken 200 years to um, uh, for us to reach the point where uh, what those men worried about has come to fruition. I agree, Mike, that th- certain things should be done, but I think we should be doing it through the electoral process and not expand the Constitution as much as as these people have, but rather bring it closer to the strict constructualism that was the hallmark of its first uh, t- uh, 170-odd years. Uh, I, ju- I just feel strongly that a, a convention, you don't. Know, you can't control a convention. Uh, in the days before we had these primaries and everything, conventions uh, for presidential candidates were always very interesting events. And I'm afraid if we put one of those out there, we we might we uh, be careful of what you want. You may get it and discover you don't like it. That's my take on it. Mike, well, I
1: think I think the problem I think the problem is is that. We have a tendency today, like you just mentioned, we have a tendency today to think of conventions like, like we have the Democratic Convention and the Republican Convention for President. And that's not what these are at all. These delegates get specific marching orders, so to speak. They have uh, a um, specific um, uh, duty to do, uh, to do a specific thing. Um, Candace, for instance, uh, is also drafting legislation that goes along with this that gives them the methodology by which to pick the delegates. And, and also to recall the delegate and also to punish the delegate if the delegate does not do what they, what they direct them to do. And when it's all said and done, it still takes 38 states. So let's say, let's say, that, let's say that the convention just went nuts. The convention just goes out there and says, you know what, we're throwing all this out. We're just going to start over and come up with a new convention. You still have to have 38 states to go along with it. And if we've got 38 states that would throw out our Constitution, we've lost it already.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm worried we have <laughs> you lost know?
1: the Constitution. Yes. yes yeah, well, Mike. our Mike. Costi- the Constitution has really become pretty irrelevant, you know, when you look at when you have, um, uh, a, a, you know, a, an executive branch that just does what it wants. It does the legislative branch. The legislative branch refuses to do its job. The judicial job is doing the legislative job. Um. And and we don't, you know, when a when a politician takes the uh, oath, they are supposed to be defending the Constitution. They don't defend the Constitution; they defend case law and precedent. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, right. I mean. <laughs> uh, and so, well, well, we I, a... I, I used to, I, I used to believe 100 percent with you. I thought this. I originally thought this was something that was dangerous, and I also thought that well, we just need to work harder to elect the right people. And I've, I've been doing that for 20 years, and, and all I've seen is it's just going further and further away. And I've decided, well, maybe the, the, that was put in the Constitution for a real reason. Maybe these brilliant men that put that together, then they gave us this out. Um, and actually, it was not really given as an out. Uh, initially, if you go back and research how Article 5 came about, it actually was going to be uh, the proposals were strictly from the states. And then somebody thought that we should add, that the Congress should have some sort of a, of a say about it as well. And so that's kind of the way it all kind of came about over a period of uh, uh, weeks as they were drafting this thing. So in reality, what the framers wanted was the framers wanted the, wanted the states to control it in the first place.
2: Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt that the, the, the framers wanted a balance between the states and the, and the federal government. And they, they yep. certainly did not envision a federal government as, as we have today. They feared it. If right. you read the Federalist Papers and if you read Madison and Jefferson, um, uh, you know, I have all but a uh, dissertation in American history, um, uh, a Ph.D. in American history, and I've uh, always been uh, very uh, cognizant of it. Of the changes that have gone on, I've uh, I grew up, and from your voice, you sound as if you're a little bit younger than me, but not that much. Um, but we grew up in a time when the Constitution was really under attack. We had four four terms of uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who really uh, right. stretched the Constitution. Then we had uh, President Truman, and then we had President Eisenhower, and uh, President Truman didn't uh, stretch the Constitution, and, and President Eisenhower, with the exception of the Warren Court, didn't do that much. It's only in the activism right. period from 1960 on that we've had these changes. And if you remember, people feared these changes. They all laughed at Barry Goldwater. But if you go back and read Barry Goldwater's speeches, he was amazingly prescient about what was going to happen to government over the next 30 oh, yeah. years. And we,
1: you know,
2: and uh, we're sitting here today with a Supreme Court trying to decide whether a minute part of the uh, population, i.e. gays and and, uh, lesbians, should have special protections that never envisioned in the Constitution and never thought of. In fact, we specifically excluded, we shall not establish any church. And what they wanted right. to put on were other things. And if you remember, they said we, we will not uh, establish anything. And we're, here we are trying to establish that gays have certain rights that others of us don't have. Um, right. You, you know, it, it's, a, it's a much different world. And the approach you're taking may work. I'm worried, A, that it takes too much time uh, to get done, And uh, two, um, I also am fairly confident that I think the pendulum will switch back the other way, uh, and we will start to see a little uh, less government and a little bit more uh, uh, private enterprise in this world over the next. uh, A very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal today pointing out how difficult it is now for for a private enterprise to do something. And even President Obama's pet project of a wind farm to deliver electricity to uh, Southern California and other parts of the West is mired in all of these uh, governmental agencies and regulations. And uh, I, I really find it fascinating that one of his pet projects is being held up by his own departments. So uh,
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Well, well, let's do this. We're going to take a uh, timeout here. When we come back, we're going to chat with... Maybe all entrepreneurs should be like Karen. Nothing should get in our way. Nothing.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Jiggy Jaguar 24-7, brought to you by Jordan's Juice Barbecue Sauce. Juice it up with Jordans online at Jordansjuice.com.
0: We're back here on the Wednesday edition, the third hour of the big broadcast. 21 minutes after the hour. We've got Donald Mazzella and Michael Murphy with us today. And uh Dawn is gonna start this segment with us uh dawn's wheelhouse of course is the newspaper industry um we're going to be talking in this segment about the demise of big city newspapers failure of the new york times to talk about the hillary emails and uh all sorts of different things that kind of Focus on the newspaper industry. Um, Don, you join us on our Tuesday edition with the great Dan Perkins. And uh, it always seems you never get a word in edgewise. But today, I'm glad to see that you and Michael are having a, a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. I think I get my points across. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: um, basically, it's interesting. Two articles came across my uh, uh, email Today. One was um, the fact that um, uh, people are lamenting about uh, the fa- demise of newspapers in the big cities and, in fact, across the country. And there were, um, I think, something like 400-plus newspapers that have gone out in, over the last 18 months, local editions, etc. Then, to my surprise, Bob Schieffer, who just retired as the uh, uh, moderator of uh, Face the... Face the Nation, um, said that he w- was very upset that local reporting was dying and that we were uh, just uh, talking to each other about national events and very little about local events. And uh, that really hit home with me. In my much younger days, I covered a, a very corrupt town called Orange, New Jersey and my very wise editor at the time said, you know, if you learn to cover this town, I was a callow Young reporter, he said, "Um, uh, then you'd be able to cover even Washington. And when I got to Washington, (laughs) I discovered he was absolutely right. Um, The the things that happened at that small uh, two by three mile town, uh, it was a bigger scale but it was the same thing and it was the same people uh, so uh, that demise is, is really beginning to hurt us in terms of the quality of our journalism we've been complaining about journalism for years people have said I've written fiction all these years but the, the real point is uh, we, we're not training our reporters to do what reporters should do which is report, not editorize, but report, to um, present facts to the reader, and then let the reader decide. Um, I can go into another subject, but that that's basically what a very um, successful newsman has said. And by the way, all of that generation came out of newspapers and the wire services. And what we have now are people who've never covered a local event, a local government, uh, the, the issues that you see. I get uh, six newspapers a day, and uh, it is a, a sad reflection, including the New York Times. And it's a sad reflection on it that th- these pages are no longer uh, reporting but editorializing. And how, how do we get the ideas that Mike is espousing and other people are espousing? Uh, uh, it's the minds of people, um, and I'd like to shut up and hear Mike's thoughts.
1: Oh, no, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying there. I uh, I think the and I think they're they're hand in hand with the, that's why it's dying is because people um, realize that that uh, they're not really getting the news. They realize that things are being let go. Um, they everybody sees the corruption in their towns, and like you said. It's, it's everywhere uh, there's a certain percentage of people that are, that are going to be corrupt and I don't care whether you're talking politics or in the military or in a business or wherever like that they're, they're just going to be some bad people and and what what cleanses that is a little bit of sunshine and and that was the press I mean our founders that was in the First Amendment they thought it was that important that that freedom of press needs to be there but that if the press you know, the, the government can restrain the press but the press can restrain itself too. And uh, that, that be, that's where in the, the lies of the problem. And uh, when, when, people, when people are trying, like I say, to pick up reading the paper and they're, they're being told what to think rather than just giving facts and letting them decide, uh, they just have a tendency to, to not really, you know, care anymore. And I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, I, I see people, you know, daily that never watch the news, never read a paper, and they have no idea what's going on in the world. And I think it's largely because it, it, they've just been sort of driven away from it.
2: I, I agree wholeheartedly, and the best example of that, and if someone can prove me wrong, I'd love to see it, but uh, they released the first trove of papers, of Hillary, uh, emails of Hillary Clinton on Friday, and I have yet to see mention of it in the, in the New York Times. The Wall Street Journal put it on the front page, but I have not been able to find it in the New York Times, and that's a sad commentary, and it's very interesting. Yep. Uh, the Washington Post today uh, has, a, has an article about the fact that the federal judge has now told the State Department they have to uh, release uh, papers every month. And the headline read, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, uh, faces a drip right drip uh, release of of, um, of, these pa- of these emails. It could hurt her. That was the headline. So, <laughs> you know, so you you you're sitting out there looking at stuff like this, and and you're saying, um, uh, by the way, it's very interesting. If people vote by what what they watch, then this this nation must be conservative because of Fox. But if you if you really look at Fox versus CNN and MSNBC. They they do try uh, uh, to to a greater extent than the other ones to to provide a balanced account. Now it might be that it's my own prejudice about it, but uh, uh, if you watch the other stations, which I try to do, uh, n- no one seems to be really trying to say, here are the facts. Let you decide. You know, right. and that, and may, maybe it's outmoded. I don't know. I. Uh, I attended a famous journalism class, uh, um, a symposium in a journalism class, and uh, uh, a very famous one. And what I heard being taught by the professors uh, made me really scared, uh, because they weren't talking those things. And when I raised my timid, well, I'm not timid, my hand, (laughs) and asked that question, you know, they looked at me as if I had just uh, uh, just grown two heads. They said, that's not the way. That's not the way. Now, uh, <laughs> that's their not answer the way. was a very interesting one. They felt that they, they could not, that given the, today's climate, 24-7, um, uh, a profitable news operation, and news operations have to be profitable in order t- uh, to survive, a profitable news organization cannot be, be uh, um neutral and i said why not and we had a good conversation
0: uh. we've got
2: crazy. Anyway, that, uh,
0: well uh, uh, it, this it's a crazy world we live this in. is the thing don again, we uh, do live in a crazy world the, the <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, in ter- a, a terribly divided world, you know, I've, I've, I saw somebody made a comment the other day. I I don't really know what to compare it to. I've not lived, you know, all that long in the big scheme of things. But but uh, we look at how things were divided in this country back pre pre Civil War, and really pre Revolution, it was the same. Uh, you know, there was really divided over whether they are going to be, you know, the Patriots and Loyalists and all like that. And we are really seem to be reaching that that crescendo again uh, where people are really divided. And and if you, if you don't agree with me, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't even, and I I don't want to eat at your restaurant and I don't want to watch your movie. I don't want to listen to your music. I don't want to read your paper. If you don't agree with me, you know, and we used to be able to sit down and have have civil conversations, you know, but we don't seem to be able to do that anymore.
2: We shout out to each other. As someone has said, you're absolutely
1: right.
2: Uh, (laughs) You know, well, it, 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 the interesting thing with Dan and myself is we always find it difficult to disagree because uh, we be, basically have an outlook. Um, but there was there was a great CNN program on many years ago with um, I'm trying to remember the two. Uh, uh, one of them was. Um, I, I Are you can't thinking a crossfire? Two, opposing view. I'm sorry. Are you thinking a, a crossfire? Car? I'm sorry.
0: Crossfire.
2: Crossfire. Crossfire, yes. I mean, you know, that was a program where both sides were presented. And you know, you yeah. at the end that they agreed to disagree, but at least you had an airing of views. Right. But that program is not there. We have talking heads who shout at each other. They put six talking
1: heads on the screen. And everybody <laughs> shouts at everybody else. Yes. <laughs> but we, we all at the, we all at the same time, and you don't hear any of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, I'm hard of hearing, so I, I like to use the, uh, the scrawl down the bottom, you know. The, and uh, often the scrawl can't keep up
0: with what's going on. <laughs> 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 well, we're going to do this. We're going to take another time out here. When we come back, we'll chat with. Uh, uh, this this topic coming up is going to be really, really fun. We're going to go back to Michael to start it out. We're going to be talking about the appeals court on Obama's executive amnesty. I can't wait to hear Don and Michael's opinions on this. We've got more coming up here on the World Famous it's Jiggy Jagway, You Show, back here in a few moments on iHeartRadio.
2: The World Famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program, broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-JIGGY. He's realizing Jiggy Jaguar is better than me. <laughs>
0: I'm totally serious about that,
2: too. Jiggy Jaguar.
0: Yes, Tyler Hollywood from TalkRadioX.com will never, ever, ever live that down. Because <laughs> we turned it into a liner, kids. It's 37 minutes after the hour. We've got best-selling author Michael Murphy on the line and also our good friend Donald Bazella from the newspaper industry, SB Digest. They are going to be with us here in just a few moments. Listen to us live each and every afternoon, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, and 1 p.m. Mountain Standard and 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com on the TuneIn apps and Radio Loyalty. And our podcast is available for $5 a month, commercial-free at JiggyJaguar.info. The big program is brought to you by our good friends at kickstarter.com keeping magic alive and inspiring dreams. This is by Richard Wemble, and uh, he's going to be sharing the wonder of magic with Mid-South children through the creation of a unique, highly inspirational, educational and entertaining magic show. You can get more information about the project over at kickstarter.com search kickstarter.com. Keeping magic alive and inspiring dreams. He's got a lot of folks over there helping him out, and this is an amazing, amazing Kickstarter project coming to us from Memphis, Tennessee. Check it out today at K I C K S T A R T E R dot com. Search. Keeping Magic Alive and Inspiring Dreams. And tell them you heard about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. Now, gentlemen, let's get back into the uh, the topic at hand today. Michael, I want you to start this segment talking about the appeals court on Obama's executive amnesty. This is something that uh, Don has uh, has talked about on our Tuesday program a couple different times. Give me your thoughts on, on this uh, situation with Obama's executive amnesty.
1: Well, <laughs> I guess in reality, the the appeals court. I mean, you know, the the ruling has not been done on the merits of the case. It was just done um, in relation to uh, kind of how things were done, but not 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 what was done. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting that, uh, as I understand it, the uh, the federal judge put a made a ruling and. Uh, you know, said that uh, you know you can't be doing that, and we're gonna we're gonna stop anything from happening. And then, what? Well, like, about 150,000 people were processed anyway. Um, that was learned later on. Of course, the judge isn't very happy, and that seems to be kind of the normal deal with this administration and, and maybe Washington in general. Um, but now the now the appeals court has upheld that judge, and so it's gonna it's gonna go on to you know for the merits of the case to be heard. Uh, but it's it's. Uh, it's really a crazy deal and the ramifications are pretty dramatic for the country I think. Um, you know, with what's going on and the number of people are being brought in and how they're being brought in and, and what, what freedoms are being given, um and all like that. It just um it's, it's frustrating a lot of people and especially with our you know, economy the way it's been, everything like that, it's not it's not gonna be a good thing. Well what Don do you know, can I jump in here Yes, uh,
0: jump in there, my friend.
1: Um here. You're
2: absolutely right. But what I thought was really interesting, if you read the uh, uh, the judge's opinion, both the original judge and the panel, they felt uh, very strongly that uh, on the merits of the case, the states had a, um, uh, uh, had good grounds for worrying because the the federal government was in fact, imposing both costs and regulations on them that. Um, Federal government had no power, um, granted either right. legislatively or presidential, to do. And that I thought was the. And that if you read the uh, appellate court's uh, this, uh, uh, verdict or order, it said uh, there was a very good chance that um, this would, um, that the, the order would be uh, 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 dismissed. And, and I think. Right part and parcel, uh, as Dan pointed out yesterday, and uh, uh, other people have uh, followed on it, is you got three or four major court decisions, and by the way, let's go back to the Constitutional Convention. They set up a three-part uh, ju- uh, government, the executive, the judicial, and the congressional, and they did it for a reason. And uh, you know, it still amazes me, I'm sure a lot of people, how, uh, how much foresight these men had in putting together this Constitution. And even a man, um, a man or a woman who tried to push it beyond that uh, is being pushed back. It takes time, but uh, it looks in the four decisions, Obamacare uh, on the, uh, gay rights, on this and on several other things, that the, court is, the courts are doing their job, which is saying you, you can do it if it's granted legislatively, but you can't do it by executive order. And I, I think it's such a wonderful um, uh, example of how, how um, well the, these men thought it out. Uh, someone asked me to, to, uh, the other day, which book I would recommend if I had to recommend one book to the American public, and I said it's the annual Annals of Tacitus, which is the story of the, uh, how the, Republic, the Roman Republic became, um, f- for all intents and purposes, a despot. And it's the hundred years uh, leading up to the end of uh, 69 AD. And if you read that and you see what's happening today in America, you become very frightened, and you hope it, that it, the... It
1: parallels, U- well, doesn't it? Yep.
2: It's, you know, And it's an amazing document, and it's ama- uh, uh, the part's missing, obviously, but the point I- is w- we've had this march towards an imperial presidency, and I remember as um, a, p- a copy boy at NBC uh, in 1962 how they were arguing uh, that point and how, uh, how many of the things that the president can do today were thought simply unheard of. In 1962 uh, so you know we're we're looking at so many uh, so many uh, things that have come true uh, Daniel Moynihan's book Beyond the Melting Pot I mean uh, uh, all of these things that people worried about then are happening today and, and we need to um, take a step backward and say is this where we want to go and uh, you know we, we've um, we devote uh, page on page to uh, uh, gay and lesbian issues, yet they represent less than 2% of the population. We never talk about... Uh, we talk about the blacks, um, uh, who make up 12%, and we talk about the Latinos, who make up 25%, but we don't talk about the rest of this country and all that goes on. And. Uh, uh, It's a far cry from that, but it seems that the judiciary, uh, and by the way, uh, I saw a report that only four judges have been approved so far in this term of the uh, the Senate and the House, which I think is a good sign because we don't, I don't think we want uh, these judges. (laughs) Absolutely. No. Uh, Well, well, you said
1: something. yeah, yeah. You said something earlier too about about the uh, uh, the way things were as far as uh, when we were talking earlier about the convention of states and the the pushback that you felt maybe was coming. Remember back in the when the, in the first progressive era back under Wilson and all like that, there was a tremendous pushback then because people saw what those what those policies were doing to the country, and there was a huge pushback then. And I and I'm just hoping that we get another one now.
2: Well, look, last election, people the the media ignores it. But if you look at the last election, and you look at the number of Republican legislators that were elected in the states, that that is um, uh, that is a very telling thing. If you look at it, if you take away the black vote from the Democratic Party, it is a minority party. If you uh, and if you look at its strength, it's on the coast, the Northeast. And on the west, on the West Coast, but it's certainly not in the heartland of America. And no, absolutely uh, not. Uh, I, I spent time in Reno, Nevada, this past winter, and I couldn't find a Democrat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, how, hard, are how hard were you looking? <laughs> how hard were you looking? <laughs> well, I was, you know, uh, I sat down with some That's journalists awesome. there. That's awesome. And it was a very interesting conversations,
2: but uh, the journalists were democratic, but but uh, all they complained about is uh, their readership was not. Uh, so it was it was a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, yeah. we're all, we're also seeing a somewhat of a disillusionment amongst the um, the liberal press, but not enough to make a difference right now. Because don't forget. If you're a conservative, your chances of moving up in the media are very, very slim unless you're fortunate enough to get the Fox or one of uh, or, the, or the Jim Lowe show. <laughs>
0: Don, your check is in the mail, sir. <laughs> well, we're gonna do this, gentlemen. Today,
2: that I do with
0: Dan? Well, yeah, there, 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 there is that, uh, we're going to take one final time out and we're going to come back and wrap it up. We've got one more topic coming up with Donald Mazzella and Michael Murphy here in the world famous Cheeky Jaguar. you back
2: early to
0: Well, you knew we were going to have to talk about this <laughs> 53 minutes after the hour. Best-selling author Michael Murphy with us today, and Donald Mazzella joining us from SB Digest. And uh, you knew we'd have to talk about the TPP. Um, Michael, I want you to start with your thoughts. I'm assuming that uh, you have some strong opinions of this, my friend. Jump in there.
1: <laughs> well, my my opinions are is I don't know what to think about it because I don't know what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Want, they want to. They want to rush it. Anytime they want to rush something through and not tell you what's in it, I say no. I'm against it. How's that? <laughs> okay. I, I. I really don't. I mean, when you when you look at at, uh, at at a little bit of what's going on, there's so little out. I mean, when they say it's in a it's in a locked room, the. Uh, the senators, if they're going to go in there and, and look at it. They can go in and look at it. They can't take pictures of it. They can't make copies of it. They can take some notes, but they can't share those notes with anybody. Uh, what's what's wrong with that picture? You know, is a it, lot. It, it's a lot. Like, You're is right, Don. Like Yeah, it's <laughs> not like we are are uh, having uh, like we're a, a corporation is developing a brand new, let's say, a fighter jet, and we don't want anybody to get you know the secrets out of what we're working on. I mean, that's not what's going on here. We've got, you know, we've got our government officials who have proven to be untrustworthy uh, now running around in the dark with flashlights and uh, telling us uh, uh, it's okay, just trust me. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't do that.
2: Well, if you haven't built up trust, and the, this president has not, then then you can't accomplish that. Uh, uh, I, I go back to... Uh, the uh, pre-World War Two, you know, being old as I am, I think of that when when uh, people could share uh, secrets and uh, talk. Um, the great conservative Senator Vandenberg knew everything that was going on, but never mentioned it in public. So, right. when, and it was a Republican versus a Democratic administration, and you and you had uh, uh, Republicans in the. Uh, uh, in the cabinet and you had uh, dwight eisenhower who made it a point to uh uh to bring in the uh, uh the various uh, uh, uh leaders of congress to make sure they knew what was going on and everything that uh, you know when the u2 incident occurred you noticed the congressmen didn't blame ike they couldn't because they all knew what was going on They had been properly vetted throughout the thing. And whatever you had to say, uh, and I think Ronald Reagan will go down as a great president, he spent the time to reach across the aisle. You know, it's interesting. You have two two interpretations. One is uh, McCormick and he were friends, or two, that McCormick hated him. Whichever one, they worked together. And and that, to me was the important thing? This president um, chose not to, and, and he has no friends in Washington. And, and he doesn't even have friends in the Democratic Party who, who are looking at themselves and saying, what are we going to do in 2016? And what are we going to do with this treaty? And what are we going to do with all of the things that he, he's trying to accomplish? Um, yeah, they can, they can uh, uh, stop things. But they can't get anything passed. And what they're expecting is that the American people will blame the the Republicans. And if the Republicans are smart, they will lay out what they want, how they
0: want it. Oh, yeah.
2: And and if we're talking about this treaty, you know, uh, uh, I've said before, I don't think he's ever going to bring it to the American public. He's going to bring it to the UN.
1: Yep. Yep, that's what that's what'll happen. And and uh, and you know, you talk about him, but he's not the only one that's not bringing uh, uh, goodwill and, and and openness to the to the people. The Republican leadership's not either. They they pay lip service to the people and they say, well, we understand you guys are mad and you want this and you want that. And then they go behind them and they go back in the back rooms and work deals around what around what we want, and around, around the Constitution. And and those things are, dri- are are driving a lot of people crazy. And uh, and they're gonna—it's gonna come back and bite them.
2: Well, I agree with you, except it's uh, something that I, I said to Dan, and uh, he agrees. But also, they're learning to govern, and don't forget, they have to govern. They don't have a veto proof majority; they have most to it. <coughs> and over time, you know, I've heard this uh, uh, from from a lot of people in the last six months. Uh, And don't forget, they've only been in power for five months. And you've got to learn to govern. I think it's a very important point that that people are not giving them the time to get their feet uh, on it. And I I do believe uh, over the next two two years, I think that this perception will die away. And I think you'll see the legislation that you require. Uh, the, The other side of it. Don't forget the former Senate majority really bypassed all of the rules of the Senate, which were set up. And by the way, if you read Tacitus, there's also uh, he also discusses what happens to the Roman Senate, uh, which I find They do the same thing, yep. Right. So if, if you give them the time, and I believe we have to give them the time, and don't forget... Right now, we have a fractured leadership in the Republican Party because we don't know who the standard-bearer is going to be. Um, and to quote uh, uh, Will Rogers, I don't belong to any uh, political party. Uh, I'm a Democrat, uh, organized political <laughs> party. I'm a Democrat. you know, You're right, yeah. <laughs> but but right, right now, we're talking about uh, uh, deciding what are the priorities. And I think who will emerge... Uh, I happen to have a very personal like for is Representative Ryan. Uh, I think, uh, he I know behind the scenes he's working very diligently to advance the Republican agenda. And it's got to be done carefully, the roadblocks, the uh, building blocks have to be put in place and the roadblocks over, overcome before, before we can see the real progress that I, I know they want to make. I mean, you hear them talk. You hear them talk privately. You hear uh, my contacts in Washington. But you have to do things correctly, not like this president did it. Now he sits here, uh, into uh, in the last 18 months of his presidency, with the with the possibility. I, I don't believe, by the way, that Obamacare will be overturned. I think that they'll find some sort of compromise. But, uh, but facing judicial review, facing a hostile Congress, and, and trying to salvage his legacy by dealing with an enemy who doesn't respect him and allies who, who also don't respect them. So you, you, if you don't do it right, you're going you're gonna to end up wrong in the end. That, that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you say, and, and you say, you think there's going to be some kind of a compromise like in Obamacare, and say, and, there, and therein lies part of the problem with allowing Washington to fix itself. Uh, you know, Washington creates the problems, and then and then Washington is going to try to fix itself. You know, there was um, uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to uh, Justice uh, William Johnson in um, uh, back, I think, about 1823, and he was bemoaning um, a couple of uh, Supreme Court cases, Marbury v. Madison, and uh, Oh, the other one was Cohen via yeah, Virginia or you. something like that. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, and and uh, so I mean, this has been going on for a long time, and and actually, in that letter, Jefferson was uh, was the saying, You know, the states have a responsibility here to step up and do something about it, and he was surprised well, that the, they hadn't.
2: Right, and the states have stepped up, uh, certainly with this one of, about the immigration, and certain of the other ones. And I think over time you're going to start to see some um, uh, uh, combined efforts between the Congress and the states to push back on some of these things. Because clearly if you Yeah, there's going to
1: there's gonna have to be, you know.
0: Well, gentlemen, uh, I mean, if, uh, Don, finish your point, and then we've got to wrap up here, my friend. Uh, there's going to have to be because right now we're strangling
2: business, and business uh, is still what drives this country not the government and that's Absolutely. my last point
0: i think well don uh before we let you go how do we find you online my friend how, how can people get in touch with you
2: hashtag 2sb digest small business digest mag.com uh, those are the two best places
0: and Michael, uh, you you've got spare time over there on Amazon and uh, you join us each and every Friday before we let you go. If people want to connect with you, you got do you have a website or anything we can direct people to, Michael?
1: I got michaelmurphybooks.com and I think you can find me on Facebook too.
0: Good stuff. Well, gentlemen, uh, this has been fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it. We had a, uh, a a very pleasant hour here today. We're going to put this up on i on uh, iHeartRadio for our folks over there, and also on AMFM247.com, and it'll run uh, next next try. Thursday. You don't have to do anything. Yes, I just kind of sit here and just <laughs> let you guys expound on things and uh, and give us give us your great opinions. Um, Michael, we will talk to you it on. Really
1: f- He probably wouldn't
0: meet us (laughs) I thought about it. (laughs) Now, uh, Michael, will talk to you Friday, and Don will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. Sounds
1: good, thanks.
0: Appreciate it, gentlemen. Michael Murphy and Donald Mazzella. That is that. It's been a fun, fun 30, 40, 50 minutes here.
1: We got more
0: coming up. Bonus side of the World Payments Cheeky Jig Way Show coming up here in a few moments.